0: Hi, New Vision. My name is Todd Briner and I'm one of the pastors here. And we're in the middle of a series called 2020, Embracing a New Vision. And as you know, 2020 is when you can see things perfectly clear. And I want to share with you a time where, just a few years ago, when I was able to see something clear for the first time. It was about two years ago, and my life was kind of in a tailspin. Some things were going on in my family that was probably the hardest thing I was going through in the history of my life. And I contacted a counselor that I had seen in Miami. And he said, man, we can meet over Skype. And I remember sitting there talking to him on Skype, just talking to him about what was going on in my life. And he said, Todd, here's what I think's happened to you. He said, Todd, you've never received God's love. And when he said that, I was like, what are you talking about? I've known that Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible, and my mommy tells me so since I was a little kid. I'm a pastor. I've gave my life to him a long time ago. He said, Todd, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying you've never received God's love. You believe it, you know it exists, but you've never really received it. You've always tried to earn it. And see, then we began to talk about how I grew up and how life was always about performance. I grew up in athletics and it was about if you did well, scored a touchdown, won a game, you received praise, you received love. If I did well in school and got the grades that my parents were looking for, I receive love. As I grew up and I got into ministry, I just continued to be about performance, perform for my bosses, ultimately performing for Jesus, thinking that God loves me when a lot of people come to church. God loves me when kids get baptized or when the message goes well. But I had never really received God's love. And I turned up my computer that day after the counseling session and I was just floored. What is he talking about? And see, what really happened was I had known in my head that God loved me, but it hadn't gotten to my heart. A few days later, I was leaving a Fellowship of Christian Athletes event at Stewart's Creek High School. And as I'm driving back on my home, I'm reminded of a song that I had heard recently. It's a song called Reckless Love. It's just a song that talks about the love of God and how he loves us regardless of who we are and what we've done. And as I was driving home and just the words were sinking into my soul, I started to weep and I started to realize the love that God had for me, not based on how I performed, not based on what I did, but just how he loved me. That day, the vision of how God loves me went from my head to my heart and my life has not been the same. And so today I want you guys and I want to challenge you guys to have a new vision, to embrace a new vision for how God sees you. And today we're going to look at a clip, and we're going to look at a story from the Bible of one man whose vision was totally changed by how God saw him. I want you to take a look at this clip right here. Matthew, Matthew, son of Alpheus. Yes, follow me. Me, <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy has done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to you! What are you doing? Where do you think you're going? Guys, let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. Yes. I don't get it. You didn't get it when I chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a text collector. Get used to different. Man, I love that portrayal of the calling of Matthew. It's from a new web series called The Chosen. You can download the app, Android or iOS. I'd really recommend it, but I love that. Today, we're going to look at that calling from Luke chapter 5. And just as we get into it, you're going to notice that you don't see the name Matthew. You see the name Levi. That was another name that he was known by. So don't let that throw you off. But we're looking at Luke chapter 5, verse 27. It says this, later. I'm going to stop there. You say later from what? Right before this happened, Jesus has just healed the paralytic man, the one where his four friends dropped him down through the roof, and he said, your sins are forgiven. And then he said, get up and walk. And so we're right after that. And it says, later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi, also known as Matthew, sitting at his tax collector's booth. As we walk through this verse, one of the things you'll notice is in verse 27, it says, Saul meaning in the Greek that not that he just noticed him, but that he looked at him intently. This is probably a man that had no one ever looking at him, that people would turn the other way if they saw him, they would do one of these and try to avoid him. But Jesus sees him sitting at the tax collector's booth. He's a tax collector named Matthew. In those days, tax collectors were the most despised people around. They were hated by all the Jews because they were collecting taxes. They were hated by the Romans because they were a Jew. And so in those days, Rome ruled Israel and they required the Israelite rulers, King Herod, Herod Antipas to submit the taxes to the Romans. And what they would do is they would sell tax franchises where Jews would bid on these things and the highest bidder would then be allowed to collect the taxes. And so that's what Matthew did. And there would be a certain amount of tax that he would have to turn into the government. And anything he could get above that, he would keep for himself. These people were despised. They were ceremonially unclean. They weren't allowed to go into the synagogues. They weren't even allowed to testify in court. In the Jewish writings, the Talmud, where they record a lot of their laws and regulations, they say this, they say that you are allowed to deceive or lie to a tax collector whenever you want it. As a tax collector, you would have been the lowest person in society, the lowest person in the social order. In fact, in the city of Capernaum, he was probably the most hated person. The same people that are walking with Jesus, Peter, James, and John, would have been people that he had taxed before, people that he had ripped off, people that would have made him miserable. And it says this, it says, later as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. I love those words. He says, follow me and be my disciple. See, at face value, that's a fantastic thing. Remember, we're talking about embracing a new vision for how God sees you. God calls him, he notices him, he looks at him, a hated, miserable man, and he calls him to follow. But I want to tell you that it's so much more because he didn't just call him to follow, he called him to follow him and become his disciple. See, in our 21st century culture, we kind of lose what it meant in the first century to be a disciple. See, in those days to be a disciple was a very high honor. See, if you were a child growing up in ancient Israel, in Galilee, you would have gone to school if you were a boy or a girl till about 12 years old. At 12 years old, if you were a girl, you would be done with your schooling because you would be ready to get married. If you were a boy at 12 years old, you would continue on in your education, but from the age of 12 to 15, you would not only be educated, but you would also learn your trade. And then at 15, for the vast majority of students, they would have learned the Bible, they would have learned the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, and they would have learned much of it by memory. But by that time, at 15, most students were done. Most students were completely finished with their education. There were, however, some students that were standouts, some students that were going really well. And what they would do is they would try to find a rabbi, a great teacher, and they would go to a rabbi and they would ask him, can I be your disciple? Can I follow you? And if the rabbi, as he looked at the individual, he would maybe examine them. He would maybe let him follow him for a few days. And if he thought he had what it took to be like him, he would allow him to be his disciple. He would allow him to follow him. But see, there's a very different idea of discipleship in those days. See, today in our day, when we have a great teacher, we want to know what the teacher knows. We want to learn from them and know the things that they know. But in those days, when you became a disciple, it wasn't about knowing what the teacher knew. It was about becoming who the teacher was. You would spend night and day with them. You would walk with them. You would talk with them. You would see what they do. You would observe everything about them. Because when you became a disciple, you were saying, I want to be like the teacher. Now, you see this in Matthew's life and all the other disciples' life. What were they doing? Every single disciple's already on in their profession. They've already started their trade, meaning that at some point they'd finished their schooling, they'd been passed over by any potential teacher, and they went into the workforce. They went into work. They went into do their trade. But Jesus sees these people in the midst of their jobs, in the midst of their life, and he calls them to follow him. He calls him to be his disciple. And so here's what Jesus is saying to Matthew in this time. He's saying, come follow me, be my disciple. I choose you, and I choose you, and I believe in you in such a way that I believe that you can become like me. You're not there today but I believe that you'll be like me, that you can become like me. And I want to tell you today that that's how God sees all of us. When we embrace a new vision for how God sees us, he sees us with potential. He loves us. He sees great ability in us. He sees the ability for us to become like him. And you say, how? How can I do that? Because when you come and you answer the call to follow Jesus, He comes inside of you. See, I brought my community helper puppet today. And I think this puppet kind of represents a lot of us. You know, we're kind of there and we're kind of lifeless and can't do much. And you say, hey, follow Jesus, become like him. You can do it. And maybe we don't believe in ourselves. Maybe we haven't embraced a vision that God has for us. But here's what takes place. When you give your life to Jesus, he says you can become like me, not because you're amazing, but because I'm amazing. And when Jesus comes in to your life, he's able to control your life. He's able to do things through you that you would never imagine possible, because he's in there. In John 15, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. remain in me and I in you, and you will bear much fruit. But he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So as we embrace that new vision for how God sees us today, realize that he's in you and he's controlling you and he believes that you can do great things. Man, I hope that like me, like what happened two years ago, you embrace that vision for your life. An ancient rabbi said this, said the worst sin is to teach people to believe in God and not to teach them to believe in themselves. To teach people to believe in God, but to not teach people to believe in themselves. As we're in this 2020 vision series, I can't think of a more important thing than to embrace a new vision for how God sees you, a clear vision for how God sees you. I wanna tell you, and I wanna speak to myself today as well, that God doesn't hate you. I think a lot of people, they may get the idea that God hates them for one of two reasons. You could be a guy like Matthew who may think God hates you because you're so far away from him. You're doing so many things. You've turned your back on so many people like he did. And you're so far away and you think he hates you, but I wanna tell you that God loves you. Embrace a new vision for how God sees you. He doesn't hate you. I think sometimes though, You're kind of like I was. And you have all these religious things that you're trying to do and all these rules that you're trying to follow. And you make a mistake. You can't keep the standard that you set for yourself or you think that God sets for you. And you make that mistake and wow, you think you failed God. You think he hates you. But I wanna say embrace a new vision for how God sees you. Let's look at the rest of Matthew's call story. It says, later as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. And so his response, see his response shows that Levi, Matthew, embraced that new vision for how God saw him. Says this, so Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Jesus is the great physician, and he sees amazing things in you. He wants you just to come to him, And as He comes inside of you, He transforms you. And so I wanted you to embrace a new vision for how God sees you, not just knowing it here, not just knowing that He loves you, not just knowing that He cares for you, but embracing it here in your heart. I wanna share with you 1 Peter 2, 9. It's a great one-verse reminder of how God sees you. It says this, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God for He called you out of the darkness into His wonderful light. I think that's a great way of how God sees us. And how does it end? It ends with into His wonderful light. And if we're gonna have vision, if you're gonna be able to see, what do you need? You need light, the light of Jesus. So I wanna challenge you just to embrace a new vision for how God sees you. Not just knowing it here, but when you receive it here, I promise you it will change your life. I wanna give you guys one take home, one thing you can do as you're watching this video, as soon as the service ends, I wanna challenge you to get out a dry erase marker and go to your mirror that you wake up to, the mirror in your bathroom or wherever you get ready in the morning. And I just want you to write 1 Peter 2.9. You can write just the reference, you can write out the whole verse. And I want you to use that as a reminder every day to embrace the vision of how God sees you as you wake up, because it'll be easy to know it here, but to lose it here. It'll be easy to forget and to go back into that old way. But I want you to embrace that new vision. And I believe when you see that daily, it'll be that reminder of how God sees you. Pray with me. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for how you see us. I thank you for giving us your son to come inside of us to empower us to do great things, to empower us to be like you, to be your disciples and to become like you. But God, I wanna pray right now that for so many of us who've heard things like this before that maybe today, like it was for me two years ago, it will go from our heads to our hearts and we'd embrace this new vision, not just with our eyes and not just with our minds, but with our hearts. God, we thank you for calling us. We thank you for believing us. We thank you for loving us. In the powerful name of your son, Jesus, amen.